Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Let's revisit where we left off this morning in the book of First John. This will finish up our study in the book of First John, back to the basics of Christianity. This morning we talked about eternal life. We talked about the assurance as believers that we have eternal life and we need to rest in that assurance. We need to live as though we do have eternal life, knowing that as we press on and as we stra- uh, strain uh, for that goal, that upward call, as, as Paul talks about uh, in Philippians, that we have that assurance, we have that confidence, and we can rest in that confidence. And as we do that and we rest in that eternal life, we also have answered prayer. And that's one thing that we should bask in that and, and understand how how wonderful and how great that is as Christians. We have the ability to cry out to God. He hears His children. In fact, us. the Creator hears us. He hears His children. In fact, He wants to hear from His children. And not only does He hear us, but He answers us. He answers us and gives us uh, what we uh, asked for. He gives us our request based on His will. So, We'll follow up with that. We'll go to our third uh, point uh, this evening. It'll be verses 18 through 21. So how about we stand and I'll read verses 18 through 21. John writes this. He says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that We are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Father, we again come to you this evening as we continue with your words here from the book of 1 John. Lord, we see our one final point this evening, Lord, as as John ends his letter to the churches in Asia Minor. Lord, the congregations there in Asia Minor, as he gets back to the basics of Christianity, the the basics of what it means to be a Christian and the things that we as Christians should should exemplify, that our lives should have love, faith, and obedience. Father, once again, I pray that as we walk through these last four verses, Lord, that, that these are not my words, Lord, but, but your words. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Point number three, our final point 
from this morning is this. Christ offers assurance of victory over sin and Satan. Christ offers assurance of victory over sin and Satan. Eugene M. Bartlett Sr. was born in 1885 in Missouri. He became a singer. He was a music publisher. He was a producer and, of course, a songwriter. Mr. Bartlett began his career as a publisher for the Central Music Company in Arkansas and later formed the Hartford Music Company in 1918 with a few friends. There he would publish his hymnals, periodicals, and magazines. And over time, he, became, he married his own songwriter. Life could not have been better for Eugene. He married his sweetheart in 1917, and they raised two children. As a publisher, his hymn books were uh, his hymn book was uh, in demand, selling over 15,000 copies across the country. He felt his calling was to publish hymns and teach aspiring singers how to sight read, so he traveled to the South holding singing school and singing conventions. But in 1939, at the age of 53, his world changed drastically. Mr. Bartlett suffered a paralyzing stroke that left him unable to walk or even speak. For the most part, he was bedridden. Many felt that stroke ended his teaching ministry, yet it was during these dark times that Eugene would write his best-known hymn, Victory in Jesus. While looking back over his life, he began to think back to the night he was born. But he was born again in the rich life he had since that night. He picked up a pen and began what would be, become his best-known song. He began with the following words. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Realizing that the love of God had sustained him and brought him to where he was that day. He is quoted as saying he felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to add another verse. He wrote, I heard about his healing of his saving power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. When he completed the song, he looked back over it and seen it was a story of redeeming power from start to finish. He wanted the song to be joyous. And while written during the darkest period of his life, he chose to make the melody full of happiness and enthusiasm. Eugene Bartlett understood what victory was. He understood where victory came from. He understood that he had victory over his sin. And in, the, in, in turn, having victory over his sin, he also had victory over the world and over the, over the things of Satan. And we know that John felt the same way. And as he writes these last four verses here, he speaks of victory. He speaks of victory over sin and victory over Satan, and as children of God, we have victory over our sin. We have no reason to be in bondage to our sin. The chains have been broken. The chains have been loosed. They've been taken off. They've been destroyed. And we know, have no need to be over overcome by the power of hell in the bondage of our sin, and let alone overcome by the power of Satan and overcome by the world. And John knew that, and he wrote to his, he, he wrote to these, his, the believers there, and he writes to us as well. Follow along with me there in verse 18. 
We know that everyone has been born of God and does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. In these last four verses, John uses the word no. He uses it four separate times. In fact, John uses the word no out of these uh, nine verses that we've already talked about. No is used seven times or seven times. And John uses them four times in these last four verses. Each no is a reference to a series of certainties that John is giving his readers and he gives them to us as well. All speaks to the believers having the assurance, the assurance of victory over our sin and victory over Satan. In verse 18, we see this, the one who is born of God, the one who is born of God. This is the true Christian. This is the one that John's been talking about, that child of God who has that spiritual faith, who has that believing faith. The one who has put their faith and trust in Christ. The one who believes that, yes, Jesus is the son of God. This is the one who has been born again, the one born of God. Notice what John says. He does not keep on sinning. Well, why does the one born of God not keep on sinning? Because the one born of God has victory over that sin. This is not just victory that that, that you have to fight over and over. The battle of sin is a victory fought over and over and over again. But the child of God, the one who has been born of God, as soon as they put their faith and trust in Christ, they have victory over. But we have victory. The battle's not over. It's a constant battle. But we have victory over that sin. And in in that case, we also have victory over Satan. We have victory over Satan. These are true believers. These are the ones who are not only of the flesh, but the spirit as well. If you remember when John has been writing, when we accept Christ as personal Lord and Savior, we are no longer just of the flesh. We are flesh and spirit. And the flesh is always going to battle sin. The flesh is always going to deal with sin. But the spirit is sinless. The spirit is sinless. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. The spirit is God. And we know God does not sin. We know God is perfect. So we have perfectness living within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, which lives in each and every one of us. God is spirit. We know that. We understand that. So we do have the opportunity to be sinless. We do have the opportunity to have complete victory over our sin. Listen, we don't have to give in to temptation. We have the power to overcome temptation. The reason we give in to temptation is because we allow ourselves to give in to temptation. But we don't have to allow that because we have the power of the Spirit living within us. So true believers, they'll not live a lifestyle of sin. Remember, as John's been talking, he's talked about that practice of sinning. He's talked about that habitual lifestyle of sin, of those who live in that lifestyle. They live in a lifestyle of sin. Everything they do is a lifestyle of sin. Those are the ones who live in the flesh and don't have the spirit. But John says, those of us who are born of God, those of us who are are, are children of God, we know... That we're born of God because we do not keep on sinning. We do not keep on sinning. We don't have a lifestyle of sin. 
the one born of God, will not live in habitual sin. Why? Because we are protected. John says it right here. He said, he who was born of God protects him. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. We have Christ living within us as we have the Holy Spirit. He, he, he keeps him. Some translations say protects him or keeps him. God protects the believer. What a powerful protector we have living within us. The creator of the universe lives within me and you as a child of God. We need no other power. In and through us protects us. God protects us. Christ, the Holy Spirit living in and through us protects us. When we're tempted by the flesh, the Spirit convicts. And through the convicting Spirit of the Holy Spirit, convicting power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome temptation. We can overcome sin. Listen, sin is powerful. Sin is powerful. Sin is controlled by Satan and the things of Satan and the demonic powers of this world, the world system. Sin's fun. Sin is fun. If anyone denies that, I'll call you a liar. It is. It's fun. Why is it fun? Because that's the way the devil makes it. That's the way it works. Sin is easy. Sin is easy. But we have the power to overcome that sin as the spirit living within us. God protects us. God protects us. It's like that force field. Have you ever seen Star Wars? It's like that force field around the rebel base. It's impenetrable. can't get through us. It can't get through because of the power of the spirit. It's like the protective equipment for a football player. So is the spirit for the believer. Like the bulletproof vehicle for the President of the United States, so is the Spirit for the believer. First Peter 1.5, it says this, Who by God's power, God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are guarded by the power of God. The God who spoke into existence... The universe. The God who breathes life into dry bones. We are guarded by that power. The evil one talking about there, the evil one John's talking about is Satan himself and his world system. Notice John says that Satan does not even touch the one born again. The one born of God. Satan doesn't even touch us. Satan doesn't even touch us. Well, that leads us to another implication there. If Satan doesn't touch us, what's Satan going to do? If he can't touch us, he's going to do things that are going to be around us. That's going to keep us. He's going to do it through our eyes. He's going to do it through what we hear and what we watch and what we see other people doing. That's how Satan works because he knows he can't touch him. What did, what did, what did God tell, tell Satan about Job? You can't touch him. But you can do whatever you want to with him around that. And notice what he did. He certainly did. He took everything away from Job. Satan's not going to touch us. We can rest in that fact, but we can't let our guard down. 
We can't let our guard down because he uses other means and other ways. He's, he's smart. He's smart. Satan can't even lay on a hand, a hand on the truly born of God. The one who truly has eternal life. He can't lay a hand on us. And that should be so rest assuring for us. It should just make us so comfortable, but not too comfortable. Of the devil, we've already... There are circumstances where we might very well be affected by the wiles of the devil. We've already discussed a little bit of that. But Satan can only function... Notice this. Satan can only function in what God allows. Hence, Job. God allowed that. God allowed Satan to function in that way. He can't go beyond what God allows him to do. Why? Because God is in control. Regardless of what we see around us, regardless of what anybody else says, God is in control. It could be a whole lot worse. But God doesn't allow it to be a whole lot worse. Satan only has enough rain to hang himself. (laughs) He only has enough rope to hang himself because God only allows that. But notice what else. Look at verse 19. We know, there again, we know. Know there, it speaks of confidence. It speaks of assurance. I know for a fact these things. I know we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There's certainty of our victory there. We are from God. We belong to God as children of God. We have been adopted by God. We have all the benefits of the natural child in the family of God. I'm amazed when I think of of all of that. I think I have all, I mean, I, all the all the available resources of God are mine and yours, all of them, all of them, and I can't get my finite mind wrapped around that, and maybe I'm not supposed to. But all of God's resources, everything that is available to God, is available. To us. Because we are from God. But notice what he says. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The world. That's the world system. That's the world that you and I live in. That's the world that you and I work in. That's the world that you and I go to the grocery store in. All those things that surround us. The world and the temptations of the world. Remember now, John has referenced two types of children, the children of God and the children of the devil. The children of the devil are of this world system. They are of under the power of the evil one. We need not wonder why evil people do evil things. We need not wonder because they're controlled by the power of the evil one himself. Or one of his demons or one of his minions. We need not wonder about those things. But us as children of God, we belong to God and we are protected by God. So in in that, we have the power to overcome the world. To overcome the world. We're not going to do that on our own. We're not going to do that. We don't have the power to control anything. Anything. 
We don't have the power to control. The devil is so much smarter than we are, so much more cunning than we are. The devil is a fallen angel. He was with God. He is so much more powerful than we are, and he has so many more ways to manipulate and to 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 navigate his way around and and to tempt us as children of God. But we have the power to overcome. We have the power to overcome the evil one. We have the power to overcome the world. We have the power to overcome the lies of the devil, the deception of the devil. John's been talking about the Antichrist and the false teachers and things. That's why it is so important as children of God to be grounded in Scripture, to know what the Word of God says. What did Jesus do? What, did, what was Jesus' rebuttal whenever he was being tempted by Satan whenever he was, he was on the mountain? He quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture. Yes. We need to be grounded in Scripture. We need to be grounded in the Word of God. We need to know what God's Word says. We need to understand what God's Word says. And we need to parallel everything that we see in this world system side by side with God's Word. And if it doesn't line up, then it doesn't work for us as children of God. Regardless of what the world says. Regardless of what the world calls us. Listen, if I have to be a hypocrite because I love the Word of God and I, and I live my life by the Word of God, so be it. If I have to be a bigot because I, I love the Word of God and I live my life beside the Word of God, so be it. If you call me intolerant because I love the Word of God and I stand, beside, stand on the Word of God as the foundation of my life, so be it. So be it. Because I know that when I stand before God in judgment, I want to stand with courage. I want to stand with boldness. That's what I want. As well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And that's what I want to live my life to do and to hear. So be it whatever this world says, whatever they think. It doesn't matter. So we ought not get involved with the contamination of the evil world system. And it's easy to do. It's easy to do. It's easy to get involved in that stuff. It's easy to get involved in all those things. Why? Because it's fun. It's fun. But it's only fun for a season. It's only fun for a season. Romans 12, 2 reminds us this. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Perfect. Finally, look at verses 20 and 21. It says, we, and we know, there's that know again. We're confident in that. We have the assurance that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. John speaks there. He says the Son of God has come. He's speaking of Jesus' incarnation. The children of God, we know that Christ has come. We know that Jesus was born. We know that Jesus not only was born, but He was 100% God and He was 100% 
man. Why? Because we have been given understanding when you and I were, were, were fought, when, when you and I accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word for us. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's truths to us. As we read through Scripture, as we study God's Word, He illuminates things. We see things. That's why when you read and study God's Word, one of the great joys that I've found in reading through Scripture and reading through the Bible, the, many, the, the, the several times that I have, is I see something different each and every time I read the same passage. And oftentimes what I've found is God illumines things to me based on the situation and the circumstances that I might be dealing with at that very moment. Because He's a good God. Because He's a good God. But He illumines those things to us. We have that understanding. John says, and here's the reason, so that we may know Him who is true. Remember, Back over here in the previous verses, if you look back with me at verse 6 of this uh, same chapter, John says this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because what? The Spirit is the truth. The truth. The Spirit is the truth. The one who gives us the understanding is the truth. He reveals the truth. He shows us the truth. He's real. He's genuine. The Spirit testifies to the truth. But not only do we have that understanding so that we know that, 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 that Jesus is true as the Spirit illumines to us and we are in Him who is true. We are a part of Christ. The one who is real. And genuine is the Son of God. It is Jesus Himself. Remember now, John was refuting the Gnostic teachings. They believed in speculative knowledge. In other words, they believed in knowledge. Intellectual knowledge. In other words, what you know from an intellectual standpoint and not understanding through believing in the incarnate Jesus Christ. Remember, they didn't believe Jesus came in the flesh because they thought the flesh was evil. So God couldn't come in the flesh. Certainly not. So they believed in the intellectual knowledge, the understanding from their intellect. Listen, it's a good thing I don't have to have understanding from my intellect. I would be way behind. But the Spirit illumines. The Spirit is truth. It illumines to us that Jesus was the Son of God, and that we as children of God are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. We are children of God, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And because of that, we have all the powers of God at our disposal. We are given the Spirit. At our salvation, our moment of salvation, we are given the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And Jesus is the Son of God, and we can be certain about that because the Spirit gives us... This is almost standing. Basically, this is almost a summary statement of the entire epistle. When John says he is 
the true God. Remember, he is the true God. That's important because the Gnostics taught completely different. They taught completely different. They didn't believe that Jesus was God, let alone the true God. And that's one of the things, the the sound doctrine that John has been teaching throughout this letter. Christ is true. Christ is real. Christ is genuine. Christ did come. Jesus was 100% human. He was 100% God. He did come to die on that cross for me and for you. To shed His blood for me and for you. To give us the opportunity to have this understanding. And Christ is the eternal Life. We talked about eternal life this morning. We've talked about eternal life being the quantity of life, but also the quality of life. But let me tell you something this evening that we need to understand. Eternal life is a person. It's a person. And that person is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. Because without Jesus, guess what? No eternal life. With Him, anyway. There's eternal life, but not with Christ. Jesus is eternal life. He is the person. He is eternal life that you and I have, and it's based on our relationship with Christ. Because we have Jesus, and we have that understanding. We have that spirit. In 21, verse 21, it's, it's kind of an odd verse there and you would think it might be out of place but it's not John says little children little children keep yourselves from idols we know what an idol is an idol is anything that substitutes for the real thing anything that substitutes for the real thing anything that presents itself to be God it could be a person it could be a pleasure It could be an ambition. It could be anything that is central and most important to the believer. Anything that comes between the soul and the Savior. Notice what John says in the previous verse. He says, He is the true God. He's talking about who? Jesus. And then he goes on to say, Hey, by the way, keep yourselves from idols. What he's saying there is, don't focus on these things that try to represent being God, being the true God. Focus your eyes on the true God. There's a contrast there. John was contrasting the idols that were around, the idols that those others were believing in, those idols that were claiming to be true, that were claiming to be anything other than the true God. He says, no, 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 little children. It's a term of endearment there. Term of endearment. Keep yourself from idols. Focus on the true God. Not on the false gods. Focus on the big G. And not on the little G's. Listen, I don't know about you, but I struggle with that idol thing. I've made a lot of things in my life idols. Contrary to the true true God. Pleasures, ambition, work, friends, family even. 
But John says right here, listen, we need to focus on the true God. He is the true God. Jesus is the true God. And not only that, He is eternal life. I love it when you read through Scripture and, and, and these writers talk about, God talks about idols and He talks about mouths that can't speak, eyes that can't see. These wooden images and these carved images. You think about the golden calf that they made, Aaron made, when, when Moses was up on the mountain. The golden calf, these idols that were supposed to represent God. They would worship these things. Listen, I, I think about those things and, and, and I laugh. But then I have to back up and say, whoa, wait a minute. What kind of idols do you have in your life that people would laugh at as well? So John says, don't get caught up in worshiping idols. Don't get caught up in those things that re- just are a representation, a substitute for the real thing. No, 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 no. Little children, focus your eyes on the true God. That's where true victory over sin comes. That's where true victory over Satan comes. Mr. Eugene Bartlett, Sr., he talked about it already, wrote Victory in Jesus. And let me share the lyrics of that hymn. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, his precious blood's atoning. That I repented of my sins here and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing and his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me, and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. All my love is due him. He plunged me to what? Victory beneath the cleansing flood. John seventeen sixteen says this during Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says this, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. We have victory over sin. We have victory over Satan. Why do we live such defeated lives? Why? Why do we struggle so much with being defeated by this world around us? Why when we see things on the news and on the radio and all and listen to things on the radio and read things in the newspaper and all these things, why do we as Christians live such defeated lives? True Christians, listen, we belong to God. 
Yes, sin is a reality. It's even a reality for us as believers. We will struggle with sin to the day we die. To the last breath that you and I take, we will struggle with sin. It's a constant battle between the flesh and the Spirit. However, through the power of the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, the one born of God can overcome the power of the flesh. Satan may persecute. He will persecute. Satan will tempt. Satan will test. Satan will accuse. Satan will flat out create havoc for the believer. But God protects his children. God protects his children. Let me tell you this evening, and if I can tell you one thing, and I want you to take this home with you. Live in victory, believer. Live in victory. Live in victory. So as we close, these verses bring us to the conclusion of John's letter to the congregations there in Asia Minor. And John has written, he's, he's written to bring believers back to the basics. The basics of, 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 of their Christianity, the basics of what it looks like to be true believer, that faith, that love, and that obedience. His overall purpose can be summed up. We've seen that this morning in verse 13. He writes to those who believe in the Son of God that they can rest in the assurance that they have eternal life. Listen, y'all. We not only have victory over sin and Satan, but we have victory over death. We have victory over death. We are spiritually alive as believers and it all begins with our genuine belief. It all begins with our saving faith. Faith placed not in ourselves, but in the true God. The one that we have been born again from, Christ himself. And genuine faith, that is seen by the believer's obedience to God. It's also seen by their love of God and his children and the belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. So this evening, the question remains is, first, are we genuine believers? Are we genuine believers? Does our lives, as we've walked through this epistle that John has written to these congregations, as they, does our lives represent the things that John has, written, has wrote? Are we obedient to the commands of God? Do we live lives in habitual sin? Do we love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If we do, then we have eternal life and we can be assured of our eternal life we can be confident in our eternal life we have answered prayer and we have victory 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 over sin and victory over father we come to you again this evening lord so encouraging to read this passage lord so encouraging to read the end of this letter knowing that as a believer in you, as a believer in, in the Son of God, that I have victory. I have victory over the sin that so much plagues me on a daily basis. 
Victory over Satan, the one who tempts, the one who, who tests, and the one who, who creates havoc in my life at times. I have victory over those. I have the Spirit living within me. It gives me the power to have that victory. And Father, I pray that as children of God, we can rest in that victory. We can understand and be assured of that victory. And Lord, we can live as victors. And not as those who have been defeated by this world system. Father, I'm so thankful that I have a Savior that loves me. That answers my prayers. And that gives me victory over sin and Satan. Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again. Lord, I pray that those in this congregation this evening, Father, live lives in victory and not defeat. So, Father, as we continue on the rest of our week, thankful for the opportunity to come and, and worship again this evening, Lord. And, Father, it's in your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who shed his blood for each and every one of us that we ask all these things Lord I pray that we fall in love with Jesus and we fall in love with Jesus because he's in love with us Lord we thank you it's in his name that we ask all these things Amen Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.